0: Scared to sleep. <laughs> Tower on the 5 Disturbing and Creepy Halloween True Stories I hope you guys are loving the Halloween series like I do. Tonight, let's listen to more disturbing stories that will keep you up tonight. So, turn off your Halloween decorations, Grab some Reese's Cups and don't be too scared to trick or treat. This incident happened to me last year on Halloween. My little brother and I were home alone since our parents had gone out to a Halloween party. They had tasked us with handing out candy to the trick or treaters. This bummed my brother and I out because we made plans to go trick or treating with a few friends. Our parents told us that we were too old to still be trick or treating and that we could instead invite our friends over to the house and hang out there. My friends declined my invitation to come over because they still wanted to go trick or treating themselves, so that left me home alone with my brother handing out candy. A lot of people stopped by our house and by 10 o'clock almost all the candy was gone. My brother and I decided that we would just eat the rest. We were sitting on the couch watching a scary movie stuffing ourselves with candy and there was a knock at the door. I stormed off the couch wondering who the hell would be knocking on our door this late. I assumed it was just some late-night trick-or-treaters. Even if that was the case, I had turned the porch light and Halloween decorations off, which should have been a dead giveaway that we were out of candy or that we weren't home. So I assumed it was my parents. Being cautious I looked through the peephole and saw a suspicious man standing on our front porch. He was wearing a black hoodie with a hood over his head which made it difficult to see his face. The only detail of his face I could spot was that he had a beard and dry, crusty lips. There was no way that this guy was a trick-or-treater because he wasn't wearing a costume and was far too old to be trick-or-treating alone. His hands were stuffed in the front pocket of his hoodie, and he also looked very thin. Every single red flag went off in my head about this guy. There was no way in hell I was going to open that door. Still looking through the peephole, I watched as he knocked on the door again. He seemed desperate for us to open the door and was shaking a bit. It wasn't cold outside, and definitely not cold enough for someone to be trembling like that. He was giving me a bad vibe, and I wanted to get rid of him as soon as possible. We're out of candy! I shouted to him. I watched as a smile spread across his face. It wasn't a friendly smile either. Are you alone in there? The man asked, almost in a mocking voice. His voice was raspy and dry. Should I call the police? My little brother asked me, quietly gripping his cell phone. The man let out a low grumble and said, ''Sounds like you're not alone in there.'' I continued to watch him through the peephole. His hands were still wedged tightly in his pockets and he was still shaking a bit. I began to wonder if he was armed. I decided to take action and spoke to him in the most intimidating voice I could. ''Get the hell away from my house or I'll call the police!'' I shouted. His smile faded and he bared his teeth. His teeth were piss yellow, and I concluded that he was probably some homeless crackhead. He had a look of fury plastered on his face. Fortunately, he left without trying to break in, probably because he knew I wasn't playing around with him. I didn't stop watching him through the peephole until I saw him completely off our property. My brother and I breathed a sigh of relief and decided not to call the police. My brother and I were a bit paranoid after this and watched TV until our parents came home. We didn't tell them about the man since he hadn't really tried to harm us. Now when I think back to this I wish we had called the police because maybe we would have been able to prevent a murder. You see the next day we found out that the elderly woman who lived a few houses down from us had been brutally murdered. Her neighbor found her lying on her front porch covered in blood. She had been stabbed multiple times in the chest and neck. My brother and I immediately knew who had done it and we told the police what we knew. They couldn't do much from the information we had given them since we hadn't seen many details of his face. They went on the hunt for the man but never caught him. I blame myself for that poor old lady's murder because I could have prevented it from happening just by calling the police. I think the most disturbing thing of all is the fact that he didn't take anything from the old lady's house. Her house had been left untouched, but he could have gone in and taken what he wanted since her door was wide open. This means that he just wanted to kill. That was his only intention. He didn't want money or jewelry he only had the urge to murder. For context, I'm 21 now. When I was 12, my family had just moved from the Midwest to a town in South Georgia. I was just a 4 4'6, 85-pound, tiny homeschooled girl who had always grown up in suburbia, and now was thrust into a small town with rampant crime and very heavy gang activity. My dad was deployed to Iraq at this time. So on Halloween night there were no adults to take my brothers and I trick-or-treating, and mom stayed at the house to hand out candy. My older brother decided to stay home because he was 14 and too old to trick-or-treat. While growing up in a mostly organic and sugar-free household, I sure as hell wasn't gonna let that stop me from getting my annual sugar binge. So I set out with my 8-year-old brother to trick-or-treat in our neighborhood. It was a very small neighborhood, well lit by streetlights, and full of people walking around. So my mom was fine with us going out and told us to be back soon. We started making our rounds, I was dressed as a chef and my little brother was wearing a fluffy lion costume like the one in Wizard of Oz. We went down our street and then the next street that would take us in a circle back to our house. Something felt off all of a sudden, the streetlights were all out on this street and I started feeling really uneasy. It was so still quiet and none of the houses had their porch lights on and there were no people trick or treating. This was strange considering it was only about 8.30pm. I kept walking tentatively, my little brother just bouncing along happy beside me with his bag of candy. In the dark suddenly a tall figure about 15 feet down the street was sitting on one of those metal cubes. He was sitting extremely still. He wasn't looking at us but staring straight ahead of him, like he was trying not to move. He was wearing a black hoodie with the hood pulled up and cinched tight around his face. My big sister instincts kicked in and I just grabbed my brother's hand. And I slowed down my steps and tried to inconspicuously say, John, slowly turn around and start walking the other way, but don't say anything. But being the loud kid, he always has been, he said, What? in a piercingly loud baby voice. I said, Turn around! through clenched teeth, and then pulled him by his hand. I turned to start walking back down the direction we came as casually as I could. All of a sudden the figure jumps up and starts sprinting after us, yelling angrily. I don't remember exactly what he said, But it was something to the effect of, you little shits get back here. We ran for our lives and I still don't know if I've ever run so fast. My heart was racing and my little brother was lagging behind. I could still see and hear the man running after us. We booked it around the corner to the first house we saw and burst into the garage, where a nice old man was handing out candy. We clearly startled him, he looked like a nice old grandpa. I started blurting out what had just happened very loudly and manically, but he just calmed me and my little brother down. And offered to walk us back to our house. Before we left, two kids who were sitting in the garage with him walked over to us. They were about our age, and I assumed they were his grandchildren. They handed us their pillowcases full of candy and told us to take them. They said that they already had a lot, and we needed it more than them because we weren't going trick-or-treating anymore. To this day it was one of the most striking and generous unprovoked acts of kindness by children I have ever experienced. I said thank you, and the friendly grandpa walked us home, and told our mom what happened. She thanked him profusely and gave him a hug, then we went inside to eat candy safe and sound. I'm really grateful for that old man and his family. So last night I was at a classmate's house working on a group project we have due tomorrow. I live in an apartment in the town where our university is located, and my classmate lives at his parents' house, which is in the foothills just outside of town. In order to get to the house you have to drive along a secluded and narrow two-lane road for about 5-6 to six miles. We started working on the project at about 6pm. I ended up hanging around for a while after we had finished our work, so I left his house pretty late at about 11 and started down the road back towards town. I didn't realize how tough it would be to navigate the road at night. There were no street lights and the road was unkept and riddled with potholes. On top of this I had no cell service. So I had to drive very slowly to make sure I didn't blow out one of my tires, since I had used my spare a couple of weeks back. I was about 3 miles from the house, when I rounded a tight corner and saw a pickup truck with a camper shell parked diagonally across the road. The manner in which it was parked completely impeded my path, and I couldn't drive around it because there was a gully on both sides of the road. The only way for me to go at this point was backward, where there was a pull-off that I could use to turn my car around. At first I couldn't see the inside of the cab, but when I turned on my high beams, I saw that there was a man slouched over in the driver's seat, his head resting against the steering wheel as if he had been knocked out after a bad accident. I immediately sensed something was wrong, the way his car had just coincidentally come to rest in a position that totally blocked the road, was a big red flag for me. I had heard stories of people playing dead in the road as a way to lure unsuspecting people out of their cars so they could rob them. I decided F this and elected to go back to my classmate's house and explain what was going on. I threw the car into reverse and kept my eyes darting back and forth between my rear view and the truck. I looked and saw that I was almost to the pull-off where I could turn around. When I looked back, my heart skipped about five beats. The man who had been slouched over in the driver's seat was now walking at my car at a hurried pace, while a few other men jumped out of the camper shell and started moving towards me as well. I panicked and accelerated backwards into the pull-off, which messed up the undercarriage of my car pretty bad. As I put it into drive the guy was already at my passenger side door tugging on the handle, which thank the lord was locked. I only caught a brief glimpse of him, but his face appeared to be scabbed and leathery, definitely a meth head or some sort of drug abuser. I sped away and didn't slow down at all until I reached the house, constantly checking my rear view to see if they were following me. Thankfully they didn't tail me, and when I reached the house I explained what happened to my classmate and we called the cops. I was grateful that my buddy's parents were kind enough to let me stay the night. They didn't find anyone on the road matching the description, but I filed an incident report, and they told me they would be on the lookout for similar vehicles and suspicious activity. But I'm still so shook up over it, I keep getting the same adrenaline rush when I saw the guy charging me, whenever I think about it. I live in an old tiny 3 bedroom house in an indigenous community. After my parents gave me this old house I asked my fiancé and his stepbrother to move in to help with costs. My fiancé and his brother without fail, every day to my annoyance, would lock the doors and windows to the house. Every single one. My family has lived in that house since it was built in the early 60s, and never once was the back door locked. Eventually I adapted and started locking windows and doors before bed as part of our household bedtime routine. We became a little family with our two fat cats and a round husky puppy. Halloween rolls around. It was uneventful. We handed out candy, watched movies. We all had to work the next day, so after doing the windows and door checks, my fiancé and I go to our room with the puppy, and his brother went to his room with the cats. Everything completely normal and within routine. The puppy was six months old, and very large. He'd always sleep beside our bed on the floor. In the middle of the night, around 3am to be specific, the puppy starts crying, My fiancé wakes up first, since that was his side of the bed, and got up to take the puppy for a pee. They come back in but the puppy keeps crying, and these aren't soft little doggy whimpers, they were getting louder and more panicked as the time went on. So I get up and offer to take the puppy out again. My fiancé grumpily says no, and the puppy stops whining and runs off to the living room. We could hear him hop on the old sofa, and with the house falling quiet again, we drift back off to sleep. 20 minutes later we're awoken by the sounds of our puppy screaming, and I mean screaming. It literally sounded like someone was beating the crap out of my puppy. My fiancé and his brother both ran into the living room and found our puppy hiding underneath our coffee table, cowering and screaming as if someone was whipping him. The guys do their door and window checks again, and everything was good. They put away their late night weapons of choice. Over coffee the next day at breakfast, we begin discussing what had happened. My fiance's brother tells us he woke up shortly before we did and had heard when the puppy was starting to whine. He woke up because he heard someone stomping through the house. He implied our arguing had woken him up and that my fiance's stomping and slamming stuff was not cool and likely why the puppy was freaked out. We gave him a weird look and explained we weren't even awake at that time and after some questioning he said it sounded like someone was wearing work boots and digging around in the kitchen. We moved out of that house a month later. This happened in Halloween night in 2019, I don't remember exactly the date, I just remember that I was older and participated in scaring the hell out of kids. My dad is a huge Halloween freak, every year we decorate the front porch, basically it looked like a Halloween store puked in our yard. We also had people hide in the bushes and ambush kids. After the night was done my dad and I would unplug everything and take things that could get stolen inside. We had this one Halloween prop that sat on a table on the front porch next to our laughing skull. It was a pretty decent sized seance ball with an old hag head in it, it was motion activated. No big deal right? So of course it starts making the creepy noise and the old hag starts talking when we walk by to unplug it. We unplug it, it abruptly shuts up and we take it inside. We take down more stuff but I was right behind my dad as he walked by the seance head and like magic it starts the creepy noise and the talking. Now this thing is unplugged, the plug is off to the side of the ball with no outlet around so no it was not powered and it was not battery operated. I seriously thought my dad was messing with me, but he looked just as confused as me. When he bent down to check it out, it once again abruptly stopped. He picked it up just to see if the off switch was set and it was. Is it possible for leftover power to turn things back on, even if it's been unplugged for a while? I know that batteries can cause that, but this was electricity powered by a plug. I'm sure there's a logical explanation for that ball making noises like that. One day when I was in elementary school, I think probably 3rd or 4th grade, I was awoken by my mom in a rush. She had overslept, and since she always woke me up in the morning, this meant that I overslept too. There was just no way I was going to be ready for school early enough to get on the school bus. School started at 8am, and my bus pickup time was 7am, but it was already like 6.40, and I was still in my pajamas and hadn't even had breakfast yet. So mom decided that today we would just tell the bus driver to go on ahead and she would take me to school, which would give me plenty of time to get ready. So I'm sitting there at the dining table, eating breakfast, still in my pajamas, and it's now about 6.50. We hear the bus pull up, about 10 minutes earlier than usual. My mom peeks her head out of the door, into the foggy morning and waves the bus on. She closes the door and comes back inside, but the bus doesn't pull away. There's a knock at the door and mom opens it to find a man in a bus driver uniform. He explains that he's a substitute driver, because the regular driver called in sick. He says he knows he's a few minutes early since he wanted to get an early start on the route since he didn't know it well. Mom explains to him that she was going to take me to school since we woke up late. He gets visibly upset and says that he can wait a few minutes since he's already running ahead of schedule. My mom insists that no, I won't be ready to go in a few minutes and tells him to go on ahead. He seemed angry about this but turned around and got back in the bus and left. I returned to eating my breakfast and I still don't have my school clothes on at this point but it's 7am sharp another bus pulls up to my house. My mom thinks this is weird and goes outside to talk to them. She comes back inside looking terrified but doesn't really say anything about it and tells me to finish getting ready for school. At the time I didn't know what happened but mom would end up telling me a few years later. When she went to this second bus she found that it was being driven by my regular bus driver and it was full of all the other kids that are usually on the route. Mom asks the driver about the substitute driver and about him calling in sick. I never called in sick. There is no substitute driver on my route, he says. The driver immediately called dispatch in a panic and told my mom to go inside and call the police, which she did without me knowing, and reported the incident. The bus driver said to my mom, there's absolutely no one doing my driver's route today. Whoever this was was most likely a kidnapper that had targeted me. I never heard anything about it again. Not even if someone else had ended up being picked up by this mysterious fake bus driver. But chances are, had I gotten on that bus, I would have never made it to school or back home ever again. And if mom hadn't overslept on that specific day, I would have been on that bus alone.